from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Fergus M. Bordewick is the author of seven nonfiction books, including his latest, The First Congress, How James Madison, George Washington, and a Group of Extraordinary Men Invented the Government. He has written for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Smithsonian, Atlantic, Harper's, and others. He'll be a guest on February 22nd at the Thurber House. Welcome to Craft, Fergus Bordewick. Hi there, Doug. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're very happy to talk to you today. Let's talk about your book a little bit, uh, The First Congress, and it details the first two years uh, when the foundation of the government, our government was created. What caught your interest about this era? Uh, some years ago, I wrote a book uh, titled Washington about the creation of Washington, D.C., and I stumbled on to the, the debate over where the Capitol was going to be at the first Congress, and I realized that that first Congress was one very, very little-known kind of a <clears throat> footnote after the Constitutional Convention in most people's minds, if they ever thought about it. However, it was clearly a prodigiously productive Congress. It was contentious. It, was, uh, it, it had all kinds of problems, but um, it, it was arguably, I think, the most productive Congress in American history. Uh, and uh, I knew that there was... Uh, a cornucopia of interesting material to open up that people really weren't aware of. Okay. Now, when you say it was the most productive, um, how are you measuring that? Is that the number of bills passed? Is that the the kinds of what I'm guessing is the foundational uh, things that were created during this time? Uh, not not so much a number of bills, but the, the, the significance of what they did right. enact. And uh, to, to, in a, in a, in a, sentence or two, put it in context, uh, they, they were working in the dark, or as James Madison said, in the wilderness. Uh, uh, very few people had confidence that this new government created by the Constitution was going to work. They didn't know where it was going to lead. The Constitution was only a sketch and uh, mandated that Congress create the government. Uh, so as George Washington was groping in the dark to figure out what the presidency would be, members of Congress were similarly groping to find out, or to, to, to let's say, discover and create a government. And just to quickly run down what that Congress accomplished, it's a, it's a remarkable list. It established the executive departments, the federal court system, the Supreme Court, the first revenue streams for, for the national government. Uh, it approved the first amendments to the Constitution, what we now call the Bill of Rights. Uh, it adopted a program for paying the country's debts, and the, the country was a uh, um, an international debtor, a deadbeat nation. Uh, a proud tradition we carry on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> the United States in 1789 was sort of the Greece of the Western world. You know, uh, so uh, this. Uh, paying of the country's debts and and embracing a financial uh, foundation for the country for ages to come, embracing the principles of capitalism, incidentally, and underpinning federal financial policy was a major achievement. Um, the first Congress founded the first national bank. It established the national capital on the Potomac River. It enacted the first patent and copyright laws. And, founded the uh, U.S. Coast Guard and a great deal of other things. 
So when you look at all the productivity of the era and you look at things like the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, how has your research into, say, the creation of the amendments impacted how you view debates on them today? Because these are still things that are uh, often coming up in in current society. Uh, Absolutely. One of the most um, remarkable aspects of the research I did was to see the same kinds of arguments about government central government versus states' rights, uh, individual rights, and so on, that are in our ear today, were there at the inception as well. But as far as the the first ten amendments go, um, uh, to put it concisely, um, uh, nobody at the time thought that that was one of the great achievements of the first Congress. It is in retrospect. Uh, and, and indeed, uh, you know, there's hardly any other part of the Constitution that we venerate as much as the Bill of Rights today. At the time, uh, most Federalists who dominated Congress didn't want any amendments. They thought that amendments would only weaken the Constitution, undermine the government, and undo what they were trying to achieve. Amendments primarily were being pushed hard by anti-Federalists opposed the Constitution and were present in the first Congress as well. Um, uh, absolutely nobody uh, um, paid all that much attention to the, the great rights, the, the freedoms that we especially associate with those first uh, ten amendments. Um, and the second amendment, barely a blip. Uh, uh, I mean, it's clear that people today who think of the founders as casting uh, uh, the the um, well, the Constitution as a whole, the the amendments uh, as well uh, as unchangeable for all time, really have not done their homework. The the uh, founders, including James Madison, uh, repeatedly talked about this government as an experiment. Uh, the amendments as experiments. Um, and I'll, I'll finish by saying there were initially more than 200 proposed amendments. Wow. Uh, James Madison single-handedly whittled them down to first about 19, then 12, and 10 were actually uh, uh, ratified. And that's, that's how we come up with a, 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 um, Bill of Rights of, of 10 Amendments. Right. It was originally supposed to be 12. Of the, the 200 original proposed, can you give a yeah. flavor of what some of the ones were that he rejected, or maybe one or two that stand out the most to you as uh, unexpected, perhaps, for sure. the amendments? Sure. Uh, well, the ones that uh, Madison felt were most dangerous uh, were those, were essentially states' rights amendments that would have stripped the central government of authority uh, and re- returned the United States to an arrangement, something like under the Articles of Confederation, uh, a loose association of uh, 13 semi-independent nations, uh, which he saw as a recipe for disaster. And he, he bled those out until they were uh, uh, no more than a... I would say a trace in the Tenth Amendment, um, uh, which, which in, in short, uh, says that, that power is not 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 
not given to the federal government uh, or remain with the states. Um, the intention at the time, clearly from Madison and and uh, the majority in Congress, was to was to diminish the power of states. That's absolutely true. Madison very strongly fought for an amendment that he wanted, which would have um, uh, required the states to abide by the the rights that are guaranteed in the First Amendment, which applied initially only to the federal government. It didn't apply in the states. Mm-hmm. That amendment, which Madison wanted, was um, not approved, if, although uh, it, it, it was essentially enacted after, after Reconstruction. Uh, there are a couple of examples. Um, mm-hmm. So when you, you, you've mentioned several of the important people like Adams, um, Hamilton, uh, aside from the usual big names like that in Washington and um, Madison, Adams, Hamilton, what are some of the, who are some of the lesser known participants whose contributions surprised you when you were writing First Congress, how James Madison, George Washington, and a group of extraordinary men invented the government? Uh, sure. Well, I mean, a, a man whose name used to be very well known but isn't anymore is Oliver Ellsworth of uh, 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 Connecticut. He was a senator, very, very eminent man, like most most members of Congress. He was a career politician and a lawyer. I, I think Americans like to imagine that the founders sort of left their plows in the field and, and you know, in, in order to... Um, uh, help help create the revolution and the government. In fact, these folks are mostly career politicians, as most politicians are today. <laughs> uh, Oliver Ellsworth uh, wrote the legislation that created the uh, federal court system. Uh, I mean, brilliant, brilliant piece of legislation, highly debated because it extended federal power and, and states' rightists uh, were, were fairly hostile to, to the creation of federal courts at all. Uh, there's Oliver Ellsworth. Um, uh, uh, Robert Morris of Pennsylvania, a senator, a larger-than-life figure. Um, um, he was physically large. He had large appetites, large ambitions, and a large fortune. And he was one of the handful in, in Congress uh, who actually understood economics and finance, which were mystery sciences in 1789. Alexander Hamilton, Secretary of Treasury, the Treasury, was by was far and away the most innovative financial thinker. Robert Morris was another. And Morris fought tooth and nail to put the national capital in uh, the state of Pennsylvania, where it was most likely going to go, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, very, very bitterly contentious issue because slaves... Of representatives of slave states uh, were adamant against a northern capital that would that would uh, essentially set freedom as the national norm in, in the capital, and as a result of a backroom a backroom deal, backroom compromise, uh, 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 the capital went to uh, went south to the slave states of uh, Maryland and Virginia. Uh, and in return, Hamilton got a few Southern votes enough to pass his financial plan. Okay. In the time we have remaining, I'm curious about um, the research that you've done, how it makes you reflect on the 
ways of the contentiousness that you had mentioned earlier of the original Congress versus, say, the contentiousness of our modern uh, Congress? Um, is it just carrying sure. on a great tradition, or is it, you know, even more contentious, less contentious? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a challenging and intriguing question. Um, uh, on one hand, yes, it's carrying on the great American tradition of of political trench warfare. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the revolution was fought. The revolution was fought so that we could have politics, and uh, nobody thought it was going to be easy, and it wasn't easy then, and it's not easy now. Um, Madison and others knew uh, legislating government was going to be slow and combative uh, and that nobody was going to get everything he wants. It was not a business for purists. It wasn't then. And I think today part of the problem is that a great many Americans seem to expect political people to be purists and and uh, that if they fail to get exactly what some constituents want, uh, then they condemn the institutions that the founders created. Right. And frankly, if you're condemning government, if you're condemning Congress, you're, you're betraying both the, the spirit and intention of the founders. They knew it was going to be like this. That's a very informed way of looking at uh, our modern time and about the past. So, Fergus M. Bordewick, I thank you very much for talking to me today about your book, First Congress, How James Madison, George Washington, and a Group of Extraordinary Men Invented the Government. And uh, I encourage everybody to see you on February 22nd at the Thurber House. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Doug. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative.